show. Great to be with you today. Thanks for listening in on the radio, KLT Radio, or on podcast wherever you are around the globe. Good to be with you today, Paul George in studio. We got one guy down. Today. One guy down. We got Uncle Chad in studio. Chad, how's it going? Oh, it's going so well. Great, man. Uh, busy time, and uh, Adam's out. He is uh, on. Family vacation. Took family vacation. Sacrifice to the princes and princesses of Disney World. <laughs> yeah. Now, could you imagine? You just have one kid, right? One small just little one. baby, right? Can you imagine taking eight kids? <laughs> and he's got a small baby just like I do. I mean, eight. his youngest is just, what, like two weeks older than mine? Talk about a herd, man. Like, Goodness you know, he's gracious. got like his oldest is like 13 and then down to zero just attacking Disney world, which is chaotic in itself, right? It, it's just madness. I will bet. Okay. I will bet anything. N- name it. I'll bet my, my truck, my vehicle <laughs> that he, at least for a moment, more than a minute lost one kid. Oh, absolutely. I'll bet that if not more that it happened, at it least probably lost once. one kid and then three kids chased after him. And so he lost four kids at one time. Right. Now, Disney's pretty, like, you know, they probably make kids wear, like, you know, name badges, and they'll call you. They have, like, GPS trackers. Yeah, and they'll they'll call your number, you know, hey, we got your kid here at the carousel, (laughs) like. Hey, your kid's a mile away. (laughs) Roaming around. I don't know. I've only been, I've never been to Disney World, but I'm sure there's different parks, right? Well, just imagine a a theme park. Your kid's in a whole different park from me. Right. But there's lots of distractions. So, you could be standing there, right, like, walking to, like, from one you know, thing to the next. And then all of a sudden a parade just comes down the street. And so then it's like, whoa. And then like, you know, <laughs> imagine all those kids could just start like following a parade or like going over oh here. Oh my gosh. So I can't wait to hear the stories because I know I'm willing to bet whatever I have that he lost a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, I believe in Adam. I mean, he's, he's got his family, you know, for the most part under control. He's got some, they do well. Absolutely. But here's the thing. For a large family. He could lose a kid. It's not going to rattle him. No, He's just going to stay calm. Right. It's going to be funny. Like, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. They'll find this. (laughs) That's that's the only way that you could do eight kids, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Imagine being one of those waiters or servers at Disney World, and you have 10 people walk in the door, and only two of them are adults. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a nightmare. That's a nightmare for a waiter. But anyway, so thanks, everyone, for listening. We've got a great show planned. It's good to be with you today. we got beautiful weather here in Louisiana, oh, so yeah, we're excited. The only bad thing about the studio is there's no windows out, so I can't wait to get outside today. It's awesome. So anyway, man, uh, do you have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real, though? I sure do. Okay. okay. I've got, can, I, can I have two? Today? Sure. Okay, great. Now, one, have, one is the one I think we got to talk about. Now, just to, to clarify to everyone, if you're you know new to the show, or even if you don't believe what we say half the time, I really do not know what Chad's going to say and have you seen. <laughs> so this could be like good or bad. It just depends. And I would say 95% of the time, I can tie it into the theme of the show. Right. So we'll see. I think we can do that today. Okay. I think we can. So, okay, the first one, um, I thought it was pretty cool. So... As an elderly couple in a senior living home, uh, let's see where it's at. In Lebanon, okay, okay, far away. But one of the, the man, they both have Alzheimer's, whatever. Okay, um, 
with a man was in the military okay. in, his, in his younger days and learned Morse code and then taught his wife Morse code in the living home and they used it to escape. <laughs> they used Morse code. <laughs> they used Morse code to break their way out of that senior living home and I mean they got caught. But well, they did it. They escaped though. Like they got they out for like for a real. brief moment. Yeah, he that's he like he escaped and then used Morse code to teach his wife the the door code because he figured it out. Wow! And they escaped together. How cute! In a good <laughs> way, adorable, like they it? escaped together. The love story right there is like phenomenal. The danger is they have they both have dementia, <laughs> right. or Alzheimer's, and so right. It might not danger. end up well. They might not end up well, but, but life how, is an adventure, huh? Talk about. I think when I when it. I get to that age, like if I'm if if I'm in a nurse, I will be the type of guy that's going to break out. Oh yeah, they're going to have to come find me. Yeah, well, listen. I mean, you got to. I was listening to a great podcast yesterday, um, and a great show yesterday, and one of the things I talked about was just like igniting the passions, you know, like igniting your passions, and right. and maybe not letting them dominate you and control you. Like definitely not. But um, but the passion for with, good, right? And a life a life without passion, a life without hunger, is what's well, sad, you know. So I'm not saying what the way that they did is good, but it's cool that they're still excited about life enough to like go out and live. Well, it's true. You know, I was reading a study. Uh, maybe it came out a year or two ago. Still, obviously relevant. The study is saying that a greater cause of death for adult men today more than like obesity or smoking which is like a, a pretty high you know cause mm-hmm. of death among adult men is loneliness yeah you know so just as you get older or you get isolated or you're in a nursing home or you're you're just an adult male and you just you become lonely like friendships become less like connectivity and what friendships and relationships do for us is it ignites life and passion in us like what you yeah. were saying you know like so you know like even with you know it being in a relationship with with my wife like continuing to like nurture that fire and that passion to love one another and to pursue life together you see it in marriages all the time where you know people lose that spark like they lose that passion for each other and then they become just lonely in their own house with with another person living there yeah and I think taking it to the next level, like more so for, for men become isolated, you know, from friendships, from different things. And then, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of sad. So kind of the, the cool thing about that story is that the, this couple, although their, their memory sort of, there's gaps in it, right? Because of their disease mm-hmm. that the thing that kept filling the gaps was their love for each other, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> like let's break out of this <laughs> joint and get out of here. And Morris Code, like of all things, like, you know, I'm not familiar. I know what it is. I've seen it done, which is just like different okay. sounds and tapping. Right, I mean letters in essence. Yeah, yeah, which is crazy. To teach that, I mean, how bad is dementia for him to remember Morris Code and then to teach Morris Code? Right. Which is like learning sign language, basically, yeah. which is really difficult. It is. Yeah, and enough for her to learn it and understand it. And so, break I mean, loose. I guess, I guess if you're in there for a while, you know, something, something clicks, but... Yeah, it's cool. I, one of the one of the examples they use was like, man, you'll die so much faster from not being hungry and needing nourishment than you will from overeating. It's like you will die from overeating, and that may be the cause. But if you're not hungry, not eating at all, when you need to eat, like that's a way quicker death. Mm. You know, and that's kind of what loneliness is, and this lack of passion, and lack of desire for life, and 
not that I mean obviously that can lead us into sin and and can break us down but but igniting those passions and those fires is good so I have one more okay one more this past Sunday Saint Januarius's blood liquefied mm, this is this is getting into our weird Catholic stuff yes weird Catholic stuff it's it's coming back it's yes. the episode Father. So, okay so here's what we're gonna do because I didn't know you were gonna bring it up um, we're gonna go into that weird Catholic stuff segment so you have to yell weird Catholic stuff. Weird Catholic stuff. See, there it is, and we're gonna have to come up with a um, a jingle for it. Okay, Ooh. so here we are. Weird Catholic stuff segment. Right. Talk, so, tell me about Saint Saint Januarius. So Saint Januarius. Um, I actually don't know much about his life. I do know about the the blood though. So, he, um, his blood is in a basically a vial in yeah. the city of Naples. In um, let's see, I forget the name of the parish. Do you know the name of the parish that it's in? Yeah, he was an Italian. Uh, you know, priest, uh, cardinal, right? Right. Um, and yeah, when he died, like he, his body, um, you know, didn't decay and they, they got his blood and it, the blood's hardened from what I remember, right? Like, right. correct me if I'm wrong. Cause you, I mean, it's a normally happens with blood is that it, it becomes hard. It's like when blood dries up on a scab or something, which is crazy. Not, not that's crazy, but what's crazy is, you know, is that his blood has been preserved for this many, this long of a time. I forget. I mean, I wish I should have, I should have looked a little bit more into it. Um, but it's been, I mean, thousand, you know, over a thousand years has been inside this vial in this particular parish. And every year, a few times a year, his blood will liquefy. It's on his feast miraculously. day. Miraculously. On his feast day. Um, and there's a couple other days in the year that they look for it. I, f- I forget exactly why, but because one of the things though uses an omen it's not a good um I mean, we shouldn't do this as catholics we shouldn't look for omens and things to just to decide when things are going to be good or bad right but like a groundhog right right something. so some years his blood doesn't liquefy and traditionally they've associated it with bad events happening so we'll get worried about it but um there's a miracle happening that's the big story his blood liquefied it, yeah it's it's dried up in, in a vial, and then on his feast day, it liquefies. It which is crazy. Cool. Like I, I, I just need to go and see that. I know, right? So Father Sibley, who started Weird Catholic Stuff on the radio, actually went when he studied in Rome, and he tells a story of how he went to the church where St. January is on the feast day. And anyway, he does tell the story where they, you know, they, they walk out and the priest holds it or whatever, the bishop, and it and it's liquefied. And then he tells the story how he was eating at this pizza place there and almost died. <laughs> I love the story. I was really hoping that you would tell the story. <laughs> yeah, but he, we got to bring him on because he You're choked right. on like this big piece of mozzarella cheese and got stuck in his throat and <laughs> he almost died. So oh, gosh. He maybe, tells just maybe St. Januarius, um, you know, Saved his life. Right. That's his, that was his, the big story, huh? He tells the story every year in a homily on St. January's feast day, and it has the whole church rolling. Yeah. All right. So I actually have a weird Catholic stuff thing that I had, yeah. had planned for the show. So this goes into great one to St. January. So St. Mary Magdalene de Pazzi. Okay. She okay. Um, sounds Italian. Very Magdalene. Italian. She passed away at age 37. So she was a young saint. Uh, but it's pretty disgusting. She was born in Florence, okay. Italy, in uh, 1566. Okay. okay. Um, and joined the, the the Carmelite nuns as a teenager. Uh, she was soon became known for mortifying her flesh and whipping herself, dripping hot wax on her body. Oh goodness gracious! Uh, and jumping naked into thorn bushes 
Okay. Right? I've heard people do this before. It's like they're throwing themselves in the thorn bushes. Yeah, like St. Francis. Yeah. There's a story. But mortifying the flesh, like entering into the suffering of Jesus. Um, but anyway, this is uh, the weird thing. Okay. So the thorn bushes and be like, oh, okay, okay, that's weird. But here's what's even more weird. Okay. She was known for licking the open sores of those with leprosy and skin diseases that she... <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, gosh. yeah. So she wanted to be united so much to their suffering and their pain. At other times, she would suck maggots out of the infected wounds with her mouth. So, get this. So I don't know how smart she was. <laughs> she became infected. Her teeth fell out before she passed away at age thirty-seven. So, it's oh, pretty bad. That's weird. Uh, yes. <laughs> now she's a saint. <laughs> Now she's just saying, like, I don't even know. Like, when I read stories like that, I'm like, oh. I don't know if I have a chance <laughs> of being a saint. Oh, look, man. Praise God that not all saints have to do that. Because that ain't, look, maybe now, I know one day I'll Mother be that Teresa holy. served the poorest of the poor with leprosy, right? Like, in our modern day time, right? right? There's no stories that she, but she wasn't oh. afraid of people's wounds. Of, yeah, like, I mean, it's one thing to whatever. embrace someone with leprosy and that, that real sign of affection, but you're not going to find me sucking maggots. She was so close to Christ that she felt like it was like, you know, almost entering into Christ's wounds and suffering. Goodness and gracious. that every person that she would touch and be with was like Christ and his wounds. And so like, <laughs> but I mean, I, I couldn't do it. Uh, at least not in my current state. Certainly not now. There's, I look, I have never considered a, Look, I'm a not career in this. biology. I'm not, I'm not saying that like to be a saint, you got to do this. I'm just saying this is her story, right? And like here, right. she is a saint and she was radical. And you talk about like ignited passions. And here's the thing. It's like, I don't know a saint. I've ever read a story about a saint. And when we talk about a saint, it's someone who was a disciple of Jesus, followed Jesus with everything that they had, right? Like mm -hmm. they were all in, you know, right. and there's different types of saints. There were married saints or single saints. There were clergy saints are, you know, the, the, across the board, they're different races and colors and, you know, <laughs> locations, ethnicities, all those things. Like, so that right. like, there's no certain like, mo you know, some mold of a saint, right? Like the only like thing they had in common is they all love Jesus with everything they have. So, okay. So, okay. I get that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm not promoting that to be a saint, like you have to do her way. There's other ways of following right. Christ and what Christ is calling you to do. I'm just saying, like, there's some saints, like, you know, who were, you know, it was weird. But here's what all of them had in common, so obviously following Christ, is that they were passionate. They, they had an, it ignited the passion for Christ inside of them, right? And mm -hmm. so passion isn't bad, like you were saying. It can be, like, if we're igniting sort of this passion for sin and, like, this fulfillment of the flesh and, you know, this urgency to like fill our sinful desires, right? This concupiscence that we have. But it's another thing to ignite our, our fire for, for life and to love people and to, to grow and to be the best that we can be and, you know, to pray and to all those things. Mm -hmm. And when we don't have that, like we just, we are stagnant. What Jesus calls very clearly in the gospels is just being lukewarm. Right. And that's just so not attractive. You know what I mean? Like, why, I wouldn't want to live that kind of, well, it's not an attractive lifestyle, one, but also like, I wouldn't want, I'm not drawn to those kind of people either. 
Right. You know, like not that you're a bad person if you're lukewarm, but like there's something about the person who's excited for life and like living, like trying to live life that's really attractive and exciting and somebody somebody wants to follow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I think, you know, no one wants to follow someone who or be even around people who are just like dead inside, you know, <laughs> not that we don't love them or like, yeah, you know, yada, yada. But yeah, like just just having that spark. And that's something like I'm constantly praying for in my own life is like to, to stay close to Christ and, and to have that passion to love, but just a passion for life too. Like even mm-hmm. when following Jesus is hard, like to have that joy, that, that Easter resurrection joy, you know, for the Lord. So it's pretty weird. Catholic <laughs> stuff. Weird man. day, huh? Yeah. I did not expect to hear that. No. And there was one that was like worse. Maybe next time. <laughs> All right, let's take a break and we'll be back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be here. Thanks for listening in. If you are listening on the podcast, uh, great to have you or on KLFT Radio here in Acadiana. Um, we got the Bronco raffle coming up soon, man. Next Saturday. The drawing, the big fat drawing, which you don't have to be present to win. So right. anyone around the, the world or wherever, like, I mean, if you're overseas and you want to come get this Bronco, I guess you can, man, but we can't ship it. Yeah, but really, you got to drive any, over here. Yeah. Anyone can buy a ticket. It's it's real easy. Just go to Bronco, real easy, raffle.com, and you just click to buy a ticket, 20 bucks, right? Yeah, it's only 20 bucks, and one chance, you have a 1 in 10,000 shot of winning. Yeah. Buy two tickets, 1 in 5,000, way better than your average lottery. <laughs> right. Just like 1 in 1 point or 200-something million dollars chances whatever something like that yeah and like we're not promoting gambling which whatever this is like it benefits yeah. catholic radio 100 uh, helps to stay on air um and someone gets a bronco for yeah. 20 dollars. so there's only a week left if you bought a ticket you can certainly buy another ticket the the sales of the tickets officially end at 3 30 p.m on may 15th gotcha that's your last chance to be entered into the drawing and we'll draw at 345 so you can tune in we'll have it live on our facebook feed if you're following our bronco raffle facebook page or catholic radio for Acadiana's facebook page you'll be able to see it there and uh see if you won and if you come to the event we'll have a ton of door prizes we'll have a huge cash prize um that you could win if you donate to catholic radio there on on site at the event um yeah so many opportunities to be a good time we have some big bands dyer county Gerald Grunig and Gentili Zydeco, which uh, some some real popular, very good bands. Yeah, I guess so. if you're out of town, you can't join us for that unless you're just crazy enough to drive on in. So. Right, you can tune in on the Facebook page. <clears throat> right. So anyway, um, man, speaking of like igniting passions, you know, for our faith, mm-hmm. it was good. Actually, this past weekend, um, I led a men's retreat. Ooh. And it was so great, like, to just get out. So this is my first, like, weekend retreat. 
uh, bleeding in over a year, right? Like I've done a couple of talks of things that trickled back in, you know, post pandemic, you know, yada, yada, wherever we are in the whole process of things. But um, it was awesome. So it was a men's retreat, about a hundred men who were just like ready to like grow and learn what it means to be a disciple and follow Jesus and ignite their spiritual passion for the Lord. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was good to see, you know, it was good to, to know that there, there are like God's like active and moving. And I know oftentimes it's like our culture is struggling, but to see like a bunch of men who were hungry, mm. you know, and um, it was, it was pretty cool. That's super awesome. Yeah, man. So what what do you think are some of the things that people are doing, like everyone's doing or a lot of people are doing, that's really dampening their passions, like really causing that life within them to just, you know what I mean? Like just, lo- how, do you, how do people lose their excitement for life? Yeah, I mean, if you think of like the seven deadly sins, man, you know, uh, sloth is a huge one, like laziness. Mm. And I think like, technology is just sucks the life out of us and honestly like to like cut the cord of technology and like get away and get out i think what ignites our passion is like just movement and getting outside and you know getting around people and just being just being active and and alive for life and i I think technology just keeps us like like focused on like not only on, on on our phones or computers and work but distracted with like all the the mess that's mm-hmm. in the world you know so like right now like i could i can i can feel like i i know the mess that's going on in like asia you know like <laughs> you really can like, india is the big topic right now like just like i can and then all of a sudden my mind my heart is so distracted with like you know, a, a ship sank in the in the Arctic Sea, and like I'm knowing all this stuff, and like there's a shooting, and there's this, and there's chaos, and there's just tr- trauma and drama, and like it just sucks the life out of us, man. Like, it doesn't tell me anything about the world that I don't already know that it's a mess <laughs> and that it's chaotic and the bad things are happening. And I don't, I you know, to to just break free of that and to like just live life in the moment with people and relationships and experience. I, so I think that's a huge part of where we are culturally. And I think every individual kind of responds and gets sucked into it that way, you know? Um, and then I, I think the art of busyness, you know, even if mm. we're not busy, that kind of goes with that. And we're so busy that we're not igniting our spiritual passion. Like we're not praying. So we're not allowing the Lord to kind of breathe life into us and like just reflect and meditate on, on who he is in our life. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we're just going from one thing to the next. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I see. I, it makes me think about like any trip that I've ever taken to the mountains. And this is not about dampening my passions, but like when I think about the things that really like get me jazzed, like right. get me excited, is like that, like going and being out with, with God in nature or mm-hmm. like in, even in prayer, like just like God reminding me all that I've been created for. It's like, man, look at that. Look at all the possibilities that are before me when I look at this large mountain. Like, there's all many, so many ways that I can make my way to the top. Yeah. And, and I don't mean the top of this world. I mean like the, like spiritually get so much closer to God and 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 He draws me in. That's the thing about vice, is that vice is so predictable. Like a person that's that's caught up in vice mm-hmm. and is really submitting to his sin, his sinfulness and to his passions in a negative way. Um, 
like caught up in lust or even greed. Money is a big predictor of what you're gonna, how you're gonna behave. Leaves us so predictable. Leaves us so boring and certainly lukewarm. And I, I yeah, I'm sorry if this is a. Offen- I don't intend it to be offensive in any way, but it's true. Like virtue, there's no telling what a virtuous person is gonna do. Mm. Like they might go and lick wounds, <laughs> or or stick their face in pus, or. Not that that's something you want to do, and maybe that sounds awful to you, but there's no telling the amount of ways you can love someone. Hmm. You know, like virtue leaves your possibilities endless. But when right. we're slaves to vice, you're a slave to the command of the slave master. Right. Which it, money is like, look at all these things you can buy. It's really not that many things. It's like a yacht, <laughs> a private jet, and that's about the, the, the most you can get with your money or, and a really nice house. But you can get a house with your money and you can get a plane ticket with your money. It's the same thing, just like it's not that creative, right. you know, but virtue really ignites your passions and leaves you creative to do the things that God is asking you to do, like lick a wound <laughs> or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, vice is bondage and it's death. Like we're dead inside mm-hmm. and, you know, we're we're constantly looking for something to revive us, you know, and it's, it's usually something that, uh, it might seem good or, or, you know, in the moment, you know, which is sin, you know, just this, just this grasping for something to like bring us back to life. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, virtue keeps us alive. It keeps us focused on the good, the beautiful. Um, it keeps us focused on the other, the selfless acts of love, you know, and sacrifice, which is when we come alive, you know, have you ever served someone and been miserable? Have you ever <laughs> loved someone and like, were like, that made me feel unhappy? Have you ever given a gift to someone and you're like, I don't like that, right? Have you ever sacrificed and not gotten something out of it? Like the more and more we become like Christ, like the more and more we find this freedom, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the ability to love. And what's cool about this retreat this weekend is like, you know, all the guys like just put their phones away, like on purpose, like no one had to tell them, you know, it's like, Hey, we're on retreat. Like they were in community and small groups together. And we prayed together and prayed over each other together and just ignited the spiritual passion. We came around the scripture and talks. And it's interesting because this whole week long really has been this dive into this gospel of the vine and the branches Right, mm-hmm. and Jesus talks about remaining in His love. I am the vine; you are the branches. That was the theme of the retreat. Which, if you were to kind of say, uh, what, what would be one of the main gospel passages that would explain what it means to be a true disciple? It would be John fifteen, which is the vine and the branches, where Jesus yeah. is with the disciples and He's talking about how God is the vine grower; and He's the vine, you know, you know, or we connect it and. He, he talks about remaining in him, in his love, and he uses that remain, or some versions of Scripture use the word abide, mm. over 13 times, just in yeah. that one passage in John 15, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, so he's constantly, obviously, getting at something. That if we remain in him, in his love, then we will have love. We will have life to the full. You know, We will have this, this virtuous passion in us to do great things with our life it will bear the sweetest of fruits you know like what yeah you the the fruit you're gonna bear off the vine 
will be thorny and and prickly and and sour and and deadly but the f- the fruits that you will bear while still attached to the vine will be beautiful and good one of the things i imagine that happens at a retreat like that especially with a bunch of men is a lot of being uncomfortable mm-hmm. like you're especially sitting with the scriptures it really speaks to your heart and it it does that that purging right like the purgative way that saint john of the cross talks about and jp2 mentions in in some of his later books is like that purging of the fire of the parts that are the parts of you that are are not good or not happy or or dead you know and so he uh by that being uncomfortable one of the things that technology does for us is really makes us comfortable it keeps us into ourselves keeps us selfish it keeps us um, not concerned with the other and so we continue to choose the decisions we make are decisions of comfort over and over and over again but the thing that virtue does is it helps us take that risk so that we're going on that adventure. We're, we're heading into the dangerous, the unknown, the things that we have to really rely on God for, faith, and that it makes life exciting. Hmm. It's the risk that really gets life going for us, you know, and, and brings us to the joy and the peace that Christ talks about. It's like purposefully choosing to be uncomfortable, throwing our naked bodies into the thorn bushes. Right. Even not that you need to literally do that. Right, but spiritually. Spiritually, like, Definitely. and it's not that your body's bad, that your body needs to be harmed, um, but that, that we need to remind ourselves that that taking the risk and, and choosing suffering and choosing the uncomfortable path will bear fruit over well, and over and over again. There's times where we have to be uncomfortable to make a tough decision, right? So the, the story goes St. Francis of Assisi, in, in order to avoid lust, would would thrust himself into a thorn bush. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I don't know how true, I wasn't there. Okay, but that's sort of the story we have. Okay. But just take it into context that we do know. Okay. So, what would you rather? Okay. Choose lust and be in bondage, right? Mm-hmm. Or be uncomfortable and be free of that bondage. Okay. Right. That, that's what St. Francis was saying. Like, he basically what he's saying is I'm willing to do anything to avoid being in bondage by my sinful passion. I'll do anything. Like I'll throw myself in a thorn bush. What else would you do to avoid sinful passion? Right. And that's, that's the, uh, that's the, uh, you know, the decision we often have to make is like, are we willing to make the tough decision to avoid sin? Even if the tough decision kind of makes us feel uncomfortable right yeah that's the story of exodus right like the the israelites like even though they really didn't choose it like there's there's something about slavery and the predictability of it that can be comforting you have to recognize that i mean that's the only way out is that you recognize that man there's a part of me that wants to stay in bondage there's a part of me that wants to stay comfortable because i know what's going to happen but Imagine if the Israelites remained in Egypt. They'd have been squashed. We would not have an Israel. We would not have um, the, the city of Jerusalem. We would not have these great, great figures in Scripture. And the same is true for, like, the Harriet Tubmans of the world. Like, she chose the risk of escape and chose the risk of, of running these slaves out of slavery, out of bondage, 
And you have to imagine there was some comfort there. Like, I know what's going to happen next if I stay in bondage. Hmm. And it, not, I mean, I, I can understand how that might sound bad, but it's true. I mean, that's, that's how we act. It's like, there's something predictable about me choosing to lust every day and every night and me choosing greed and money over love and charity. Because there's something very scary about risking your life for Christ or risking your life to get out of bondage. Right. But, but we become dead if we don't. Right. We so die. Jesus, then this is like the passage that we're in, like, which is beautiful. Like you could take a whole week and kind of go back and read John 15, you know, and we're going to hear it again. This Sunday. Chapters yeah. nine, this Sunday with Jesus, you know, he says to, to his disciples, as the father loves me, so I also love you remain in my love. Right. So some versions say abide, remain like, like this is like, uh, like to remain in something like to, to stay as close as you can, like not to, to let go of like, mm-hmm. you know, um, the word, you know, to be in relationship, like to, to, to be carried by the other, like this is, this is important. If you keep my commandments, you remain in my love. Just have, I have kept my father's commandments and remained in his love, right? I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Yeah. Okay, so that that's what we're all longing and looking for. So Christ, when we remain in him, his joy is in us and our joy is complete. Like, that's what we all want, this this joy that's complete and fulfilling that our, our hearts, our souls are alive. They're not dead. We're not bound by our sinful passions and vices, but we're set free to live the life that God has called us to live, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what sainthood is, like his pursuit of, of that type of life. And that's what you, you made a comment earlier. Like you, the virtuous person is unpredictable because they're unpredictable in how far they can go in loving yeah. other people, right? Right. And even the options of how to love someone are, you know, virtually endless. Like how to love someone actually well is like, I mean, there's, there's an unlimited amount of ways that you can love the people around you and the poor and your spouse. Like you want to, you want to grow in a marriage, like stop being so selfish. Right. Like you want to, you want to, you want to keep your, your spouse excited about loving you and, and, and excited about living this married life. Like stop being selfish. Stop, stop surrendering to your vice. Get out of it. Break out of that bondage and love your, love your wife, love your husband. And that makes life exciting. Because I, I think, you know, what the enemy will tell you and what the world will tell you is that, um, you know, that's not the way to love. Like you don't love by sacrificing. Love is about fulfilling what I want and what I mm, need. One right? of the things, if you don't mind me cutting in, like one of the things we hear so much is like, how am I going to, how I, how am I going to know if if this person is uh, compatible in many ways. So like in the marital act, right. Are they compatible there? Like you have to live with them. You have to figure that out. How, how are you going to know if they're going to please you? Right. You know what I mean? Sorry to cut you off. No, but. it's, it's a, you know, the world and the enemy will just breathe this lie inside of us. And in our mind, like, like love is about fulfilling my own needs, but I, but actually love is a self gift. And when we, love and sacrifice and serve what it does is it ignites the passion in us and in the relationship right and so in return there is love back right because it ignites something in the other person so you would never be able to love and sacrifice for your spouse and your wife like to to love her 
unconditionally and to serve and sacrifice for her, to put her above your own needs and not have a response back of mm -hmm. love of the same way. But what ends up happening is when we love selfishly, we then we both dig in wanting only to receive and not to give. Right? Gosh, and, yeah. and and to only receive you know love is is selfish and so what it does is it turns us in on ourselves. What I want, what I need, what fulfills me. And that's when we turn to other things to fulfill us. You know, so we'll get distracted uh, in relationships and and you know Guys will just go out and they'll drink with their buddies or they'll look at pornography or they'll work too much and women will just, whatever, buy things and shop and spend time with their friends. And what's happening is that they're turning away from each other and trying to fulfill those needs of love in other ways and other things because they've dug in and they're waiting for the other to sacrifice, right? <laughs> Gosh. But when you both sacrifice and give it just there becomes this mutual self-gift that ignites a flame of love in the relationship that's the beauty of it and that's when you look at marriages that are thriving and say that's what i want i want that type of joy right right because it's i mean if you think back for the last 10 years of your marriage five years 10 years 20 years 30 years of your marriage at the times in your life where you felt where you were having like where you felt like your marriage was right or in its right place and I, I mean, I guarantee you it was those moments where you guys were loving each other and, it, and whether it was easy or not, but you're loving each other and, and are after the same thing, you know, like whether it was raising your child or f trying to figure out how to raise your child. Me and my wife right now, you know, it, we're in quite a learning period right. and to be a little vulnerable, I mean, like we've had our arguments sure. and our disagreements and I mean, that, no that shouldn't idea be surprising. Doing, man. And the things I've thought like, oh, oh my gosh, I get it. I get, I get crazy parents. Like I get how they get that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, gosh, thank God my wife is choosing to love me and I'm choosing to love her. Like I'm trying my best to, because there's certainly, there's been so many moments where I'm like, gosh, I just want to get away. Gosh, right. I just want to kind of just put this all to the side. And, and I can't, Right. I mean, I, I ought not to, if I do, it's, it might be a bad, bad look for me to right, say the least. Because what, what sin will do is it moves us into shame and it, it shame makes us feel like we're unlovable right mm -hmm. in our worst moments right yeah. and marriage is about loving the other person in their shame and their in their moments where they feel unlovable you love them still right and it, and and relationship of love pulls people out of their their shame out of their feeling of I'm unlovable I'm not worthy mm -hmm. right this is what Christ does for us in our own sin and shame, where we feel unlovable, unapproachable, he dies for us, right? Mm -hmm. When this happens in relationships with our spouse or even in, in brotherhood, right? In, in good community, like we're pulled out of, out of this, this gunk of, of like self-loathing and mm -hmm. shame and more, more into this freedom of I'm lovable, right? I'm, yeah. You know, and you know, this is, what Jesus is getting at. I'm the vine, you're the branches, remain in me, remain in my love. As the Father loves me, so I love you. And they're thinking, how do you love us? We're like, we're so messy. <laughs> like we have failed you, right? We we have fallen short. Like we have denied you. And he's telling his disciples, even knowing that they are going to fail him <sighs> and deny him, that Peter it was going to deny him three times, that, you know, 
all but one of the disciples that we know were even by his side at his death. Like, yeah. you know, like just thinking that he is choosing to love them, even knowing how yes. much and how weak they are, right? And he says, yes, you're a mess and I love you. Like not, not despite your mess, like I know you're a mess and I love you. Right. And that love, that powerful love doesn't just say remain there. Mm-hmm. This is remain in me, and I will I will pull you along out of your old self into a new self, and that's not going to happen overnight, right? Like no. it's going to take time. That's why we believe as Catholics that conversion isn't just this one time moment; that it's it's this constant conversion in our life of turning to God, of turning away, of growing. And certainly, there are moments of more maybe powerful or unique conversions where you know, we have turned immediately away from sin, that we have mm-hmm. felt Christ's presence and left an old way. But we all know that there's still so much more to grow and learn in that, God, man, if when I had my conversion at 16, if that was all I needed, Lord, that would have been <laughs> great. But I can't tell you how much spiritual direction and counseling and mentorship and confessions and mass and prayer and like that I've just, and retreats I've needed all these years to keep me from falling off the rails, man. Yeah. To stick with the vine analogy, it's like the first, the first shoot off the vine. Like if you were that, it's super exciting because you were nothing before. Like you were, you were indistinguishable, which is, which is good. But as like Christ shoots the nourishment and the water and the everything else that you need, like you grow and you grow and you grow and it's painful because you shed old things off and, but eventually you become this sturdy branch that produces fruit and, and, and life right. and like creates new life because you're producing fruit. Right. So in this passage, which I love and it, it's hard. So we talk about the hard things. So mm-hmm. Jesus says, if, if a vine is bearing fruit, I'm going to prune it. Right. And if it's not, I'm going to cut it off. So either way, <laughs> you're losing something. Either way, right? Like there's some cutting going on. Mm-hmm. So if we remain in the vine and there's some that's bearing fruit, I'm going to prune that back. Why? So it can bear more fruit. Okay. So that's being cut away so that I can bear more fruit. And that hurts a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the healing I go through, the growth, the spiritual, emotional, physical growth, all those things. Uh, and yet if there's vines that aren't bearing fruit, I'm cutting that away altogether. Well, Wow. That hurts too, like just getting rid of that old broken self and and moving forward. So no matter what, like as we choose to be a disciple, there's some trimming, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's not parts of us where Jesus is like, nah, I'm not trimming. It's like, no, I'm trimming, right? <laughs> and and that's good because it helps us to bear fruit and to live the life that he's calling us to live. All right, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. All 
All right, so I'm gonna. Okay, this is tying into everything, but it's all right. Sort of going coming out of left field. Which, by the way, welcome back to the show, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And so this Sunday is actually Mother's Day. Yeah, um, beautiful. Yeah, so May 9th, right? Mother's Day. Don't forget. By the way, if you're listening to the show on Friday, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you last know, chance. Go to the stow. Get your mom, your wife, gift, um, and, and whatever. But what I love about Mother's Day, one is that. It's a great time to, to honor moms who, when we talk about sacrificial love, it's love that I will never know because I'm not a mother. Goodness gracious. Nor, I'm sure you have a, a new appreciation for what moms go through, through childbirth oh. and like the whole process of like, you know, being pregnant and, you know, just the pain, the, the love, like it's something that we'll never know, but something that we get more as we see our spouses and then. And then, I don't know about you, but like then you have a, a, a new appreciation for your own mother of what she went through because you kind of grow up being like, oh, what'd you do? You know? Absolutely. And then you see your wife and you're like, oh, you did a lot. And i got to say, I have a real appreciation for, appreciation for my mom being a grandma right now. <laughs> Goodness gracious. I don't know if we could do it. Without her help. Oh, yeah. What a gift. Yeah. She's been so good. I mean, I, I imagine she does not listen to this, but mama, if you're listening, thank you. <laughs> well, you <laughs> should just send her the podcast. Tell her that you gave her a shout I say, out. Mom, I shout, I gave you a shout out on the radio. Listen today yeah. at 4 PM. Yeah. There. Share the podcast with people. So anyway, but it's also the month of May is where we, you know, it's, it's the month of Mary. We honor Mary who mm-hmm. is the greatest of all mothers of all saints, the saints of all saints. Right. Yeah. And with mother's day, it's, it's to honor her sacrificial love, of giving up her own life mm-hmm. for Jesus, for God's plan, right? And that sacrificial love, like, look at the fruit that it bore for the world. Like, over 2,000 years later, like, there, you know, there's billions of people who love Jesus or claim to be Christians because, you know, this sacrificial love. I mean, I think it, it's so, so beautiful. So, all right, if you can think of one thing like one thing that your mom has just has done that you're like i'll remember that forever it kind of taught me now i know you can say a number of things but right just kind of one, one that just kind of sticks out that taught me man okay so this uh, i guess we we're a little spoiled so i'll say that my mom every morning from the age of like from until the age of like 16 17 years old would get us give us breakfast and put our clothes out for the day oh my god every and i was a senior in high school and i had to be like mom i think i'm old enough to do this <laughs> to pick my clothes out and whatever uh and I, i've had to the thing i think about is like every morning i'd get up i'm a grumpy person in the morning and mm-hmm. i've gotten a lot better since having a kid because it just right. you wake up at all hours but um i would i would be grumpy in the morning and sit on the couch i'd wake up at like 5 30 to go to school because we, we had to get there early and I'll sit on the couch and I was grumpy and I'd be mad and I would respond harshly to her. But every morning she'd still get up and serve me. You, know, you like think still, about that, like just especially just as a as a teenager where you're just so snotty, right? Yeah. Thinking like, I don't I don't deserve for someone to put my clothes out for me and to love me this way. And yet like a mother's love, like just sacrificing. Mm-hmm. And you look back on it and you think, Man, I wish I could have acted different, right? I wish I could have oh. appreciated it more. I don't know if you had this, but man, when I, when, I, when I got to college, like this flood of regrets yeah. came over me. And I, I, part of it was probably the conversion and, and starting to practice my faith. But like 
you know, they're just real flood of regrets and like, oh man, I can't believe I treated my parents this way right. or that way right. or even like ex-girlfriends or whatever it was. I'm like, sure. or friends, I'm like, gosh, I can't believe I've been treating them that way. <laughs> yeah. And, and we, can, my mom in particular, can, mom and dad can make amends. You know, for me, so my parents were divorced. So for a lot of years of my life, my mom was a, basically a single parent, although she, she remarried. I mean, uh, but I have vivid memories of like being like fourth, fifth grade where after, you know, my mom was single, she went back to school, like college, because she had never finished. Wow. And so I would I would go to night class with her. And like just, like, because she didn't have, you know, like she had to go. And like I had nowhere to go. So she would just bring me. And like I remember just sitting in like a college classroom with my mom, you know, mm. maybe doing my own homework or drawing or coloring or whatever. <laughs> and... I didn't really know how big that decision was for her then. And I look mm -hmm. back and think, man, what a sacrifice. Not only to like pursue her dreams and her passions, but to show us that through adversity, you don't give up. Like you just keep going. And she was, she could have just quit, right? She could have just said, man, I, this was hard. I quit, you know. And yet she, um, she just did it. And I, I just think, man, that, like, thank you, mom, for like, even when, when, um, you know, I wasn't appreciative or didn't realize the sacrifices that you made, you, you, you were sacrificing a lot. And that's, it's pretty amazing. So I think we can all think of sacrifices that our moms have had, even if, you know, we think, you know, oh, well, I haven't really told her or, you know, my mom, whatever your relationship is, it's a good time to kind of reconnect there. I think it's a good process for healing too, like to, to reflect on that. Like, what has my mom done for me? And to, to learn how to be appreciative. I don't know when it was for you that uh, you started to appreciate your parents in any way. Right. But I think um, it was one of the things, I remember giving a talk to some young adults about forgiveness and saying like maybe the first step to forgiving your parents, I think is a good, is a big one, but whoever it is is appreciating what they've done for you. Like having, it's starting with gratitude. Like the first step of forgiveness is gratitude, I think. And you look back at your mom or your dad and whatever the relationship was with them, moms in particular today or this Sunday, and thinking, man, what was their life like? Like how did they grow up? What were the, like let me think in light of my own struggles, what their struggles were. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm i going back to school in the fall and I know how, I mean, it was a hard decision because I'm like, it was having a baby was motivating for me to go back to school. But, um, it also was terrifying. I'm like, how am I going to do this? Like right. somebody's going to pick him up from daycare. Somebody like, I have to watch, like, I have to be with him at night. Like I can't, I can't just be away every evening studying or whatever. Like I have to fit, like he's important to me. Yeah. And I'm like, I couldn't imagine, you know, your mom going back to school. I mean, I know you went back to school at some point too, to get, yeah. to get a master's. Yeah, no, and it's a sacrifice and, you know, you know, the two and a half years or whatever it's going to take you to do that, you know, he won't remember it, you know, no. it's so small, but it'll feel, it'll feel like a burden right now on you, but you'll look back and be glad you did it. But more importantly, like as we come to Mother's Day and we're talking about remaining in God and sacrificial love, like there's no one who did it better mm -hmm. than Mary. No, dude, I'm, she and had quite a life, man. To the cross, she remained. Like, so to the cross, she remained. Mm -hmm. Like, she was by Jesus' side in the worst moment and did not leave. 
right? And that is what it means to love. That's what it means to like sacrifice and be all in in our love. And like Mary's our model. Like if you want a Christian model of love, it's Mary, right? Right. Being being fully human, um, it's Mary. You know. So I mean, what an adventure of a life for Mary, huh? Right. Just like um, think about that. Like you had to flee. You were pregnant. You fleed to a foreign country, and you came back to have your son counted and like your son is savior of the world. One of the interesting things I think is Mary's Mary's life was literally surrounded by saints. You know, like her parents were saints, her husband a saint, her child Christ. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the disciple uh, John the evangelist who she spent the rest of her life with, mm-hmm. and as he as he cared for her and she cared for him. You have to imagine. And you think, ah, well, she, of course she is the way she is. She was surrounded by saints, but she was the saint maker, right. you know? Like, it's because they were around her that they were saints. I mean, well, around Christ too, but she, her whole life was, helped people become more alive. Where, and that's, you know, I think a huge challenge for us is that we don't become uh, who God really fully desires us to be on our own. It doesn't happen in a silo. It doesn't mm-hmm. happen in an echo chamber. It happens in relationship with other people, right? Mm-hmm. Relationship with Christ, relationship with other people, and people who are going to call us to be more. Right. You know, and so people have a huge effect on whether or not we become saints or not. But we also choose the people that we're around. Yeah. You know, and I think it's, it's extremely important that we navigate so that we, if we find ourselves not igniting with passion for Christ, we could probably maybe look at the people we either are around or we're isolated, mm-hmm. you know, like at those two effects, right? Yeah. Because those things have a huge effect on us moving forward or backwards in our life. I mean, it's huge. So just want to encourage everyone, like just to ignite their heart for Christ this Easter. Uh, allow the Holy Spirit just to rekindle a fire in your heart and your soul for him and to surround you with good people to ignite your prayer life your passion for scripture and following him for getting rid of vices and getting rid of the old self you know and that's what the power of the holy spirit can allow us to do this Caesar season so feel free to share the show and podcast thanks to kel ft radio for hosting the show here in lafayette and we'll be back next week god bless